up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Skinner. He is a fantastic Sacramento artist. He took the time to sit down with me via Skype from his awesome art compound that he's living in and built and is uh, building a little society up there in Northern California. Um, we had an opportunity to talk. We talked touchscreens, Oasis, Hoops, No Stress, Aaron Winters, The Rock, Cliffhanger, Quieting the Monkey Mind, Empathy, Mexican Internets, Fear, Media Apocalypse, Holy, 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 Social Media Brains, Human Experience, Easter, Pumpkin, and Honesty. As always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com and click on the blog. You can get all the information on the guests for each show and get all the links to everything that we talk about. You can also... I'm in the squeaky chair today. Fuck it, I ain't even going to change it. I'm tired. It was a long kickboxing class today. I drained all my energy getting up to change the chair. is not going to happen. Um, but if you feel so inclined and you want to donate to the show, you could do that on the blog as well. Just click on the PayPal link and you can donate from there. It'll give you all the instructions on how to do all that. You can follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter and hear my wild ramblings as if this podcast isn't enough, you can follow me at Mike Maxwell Art. Uh, what else? I am knee-deep in the uh, the work for my upcoming solo show. I want to make sure everybody knows about it. It's coming up on May 20th at the Subtext Gallery in Little Italy, which is just catty-cornered to the Casbah music venue. We're going to have a bunch of music, food, Actually, maybe there'll be food, I don't know. Drink, and of course, fabulous new art. Um, I'm excited about some of the upcoming guests. Next week, I will be interviewing Henry Gunderson as he is preparing for his upcoming solo show at fecalface.gallery in San Francisco. Um, also, Mr. Paul Chatham, who is just coming off his solo show in San Francisco. Um, he's going to join me on the show as well next week. And I am currently working on getting Joey Coco Diaz on the show. We talked today. He uh, he answered the phone. Hey, what's up, Tarzan? In Joey Coco Diaz voice. I can't pretend to do that impersonation. Um, so I think I may have just got a new nickname, which is awesome. And <laughs> I posted on Twitter and Facebook. The first thing I'm going to do next time I go to Starbucks and they ask me what the name is for the cup, I'm going to tell them Tarzan. So I'm excited to sit down and talk with Joey for a while and uh, share his interesting stories with, with the Live Free podcast listeners. And for all of you who don't know, if, you, if you've if you never heard of Joey Diaz before, make sure you go check out beautyanddabeastda.com. And uh, so it's beautyanddabeast.com. Go over there and subscribe to him and Felicia Michaels' podcast. It's It's been a, a, a big influence for me to do this one, and I think everyone who listens to my show would enjoy it. So, with all that rambling done, um, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Skinner. All right, let's give Skinner a call here. <laughs> Yo, brother. <laughs> hey, what's up? I can see your little face, homie. That's me. <laughs> can I see your face? Yeah. 
Do you see me? No, not yet. You got to push the uh, little red camera button. <laughs> okay. What is that? Hey, I, I have an assistant help me because I have Down syndrome. What are you talking about? What are you? You Which see, red button? Do you see a, a camera icon on your screen anywhere? Yeah. this That thing? Yeah, click that. There you are. Nice. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. Just uh, chilling out. I, I thought I was laughing because the, the like phone call came up on the screen. I'm not even stoned at all. The phone call came up on the screen, and I was all, like tried to touch the fucking screen. And Hal, my buddy Hal over here. This is my buddy Hal. He he helps hey, me. He's my sister. Hal. He's amazing. He um he's all, It's not a fucking touch screen. You read. <laughs> <laughs> so you're using it like your iPhone. Yeah, I was all <laughs> trying to touch it. <laughs> I'm old, you know. Uh, the young people know. This gadgets. I'm, I'm used to my iPhone. I'm a spoiled little bitch, I guess. Uh, so. Yeah, we're sort of right in that weird generation in between, like everyone who grew up with modern technology, and then those who sort of didn't for their like first ten years of life. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, it's interesting um, how technologically savvy people are. I actually feel like I'm pretty slow, even for my age or whatever but uh it's always funny because you never realize i think like as people get older there are certain sort of uh i don't know like markers that let them know that they're getting old and like irrelevant or something <laughs> so i uh it, and, and it's always funny like i'll just be uh talking to hal who is like 20 years old and he's and he's already like a genius computer genius all this he's a, he's a musical genius all this stuff because kids are adapting so much faster, you know? But like, uh, I'll just be like, hey, you know, do you remember so-and-so? And he'll be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'll be like, oh God, I'm getting hella old, you know? And I think like people get older exponentially now. It's like people that are 16 will be like talking about something to some child and they're like, I'm on some other thing now. Like you're way in the past or whatever. But we were talking, what was that band? What's that horrible band, Oasis? Oasis. Okay, so we were having practice the other day. And we're like, oh, man, remember that crappy band, Oasis? And Hal's on. no, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, that wasn't even that long ago. I know, seriously. That's really sad. I feel old. Uh, yeah, you're still young. I was just talking to my buddy just a minute ago about how it's like just keeping the, the mind and body in shape helps you helps you stay young. Yeah, it does. Uh, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not in as good a shape as I should be because I'm tethered to this desk or whatever. But uh, I, the sun is coming out now. I'm about to get my basketball on here pretty quick. Uh, yes. I don't know if you know this. I'm kind of a kind of a good basketball player. No, that, <laughs> that's an insider secret that I, I, we didn't know about you. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't know because they're like, who's this uh, ratty looking uh, gangly white guy shows up? Then all of a sudden, dude, I'm breaking ankles, dude. Things are happening, you know what I mean? Shit, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let, me, uh, let me thank you for taking the time to do the show. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm honored. Are you kidding me? I'm totally privileged. This is great. Um, and I know a lot of my listeners are excited that you're uh, that you're doing the show too. So <laughs> yeah, you, you're just you're you're telling me that to make me feel no man. All I, good, right? I'm telling you, so I'm serious. <laughs> um, cool. 
I guess you and I first met um, around 2005 when you came down for the show at uh, Voice 1156 that I curated. Yeah, I loved it. And that's sort of what I did this show. I just um, posted a link uh, on my Facebook to it, which this will be out like a week and a half after I, I say this now. But I had did this show called No Stress. And I had just wanted to do like a group show that was like, that had... Uh, I was, I was trying to tell him because we were just uh, we were just uh, doing my adding new information to my uh, this website I'm about to launch, and we just were looking at the no stress disc with all the images on it. So I was like pointing uh, to Hal, like, oh, yeah, remember that no stress. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. I don't think Hal can hear me, right? Only you can hear me with the headphones. Yeah, again, I have Down syndrome. I I don't I, I don't make certain connections that normal people do. <laughs> so, I, well, it's funny. I was just looking at that too. So I posted it up on my Facebook, and uh, what the way that that actually went down, I'm not sure if uh, we've ever talked about it or not. But I had put together this group show that I was going to put Aaron Winters in, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Hey, my five homeboys." I really want you to check out their work and and maybe show their stuff too. And it's it just like kind of really fell into place really naturally and again happened to be like that thing where it's like, oh, here's this no stress show. These guys all make rad stuff. Let's just add it to the thing and have it be like yeah. this this big awesome art party that isn't like pretentious and like ego driven and like worrying about making money necessarily cuz a lot I had just sort of learned how to run a gallery and it was stressful as fuck <laughs> so dealing with artists dude yeah it's from a different from very different perspective so so we got the opportunity you guys all drove down from sacramento you jay hal aaron my girlfriend came christy yep and then i don't know who uh who else was uh, uh nathan Nate Cordero. Yeah. Yeah, amazing artist. Yeah, fantastic. And and so we all got a, a good week and a half to spend some time together while you guys did uh, the huge installations and all that shit. But it was cool how that worked out. Like, really, he was, uh, Aaron was actually a, a catalyst for a lot of that stuff. Yeah, he was. Um, he, uh, like, he, he, we were sort of at that time in Sacramento. Uh, God, that was like six years ago. So in Sacramento, uh, there was a, a lot of sort of energy there, uh, local, local energy with like artists that were doing stuff that other cities were doing, but it was sort of like, there wasn't like a whole lot of cohesion. So we got together and we're like sort of advocating for each other and doing these big shows and trying to get our stuff together. And we did really, really good. Aaron was like a super big, uh, part of, uh, sort of articulating all of that and corralling us because he, he was the only one that had like computer skills. Like we even like, you know, so he was like putting together this group and it was pretty awesome. And he, he really like did make that happen. I think like he, I dude, I just started actually using a computer like two years ago or something, you know, like, I, I mean, like seriously, like two, three years, like, I mean, I knew how to like return an email. I was like uh, really impressed with myself when I learned how to like forward emails, you know, I was like, I forwarded an email, you know, but like he sort of kept me in the loop because, you know, I was sort of this like primitive weirdo, but I was like very creative and he's like, this guy's awesome. So he plugged me into that 
um, that I, I was like really excited about coming down to San Diego uh, to to like just sort of be in it and like see what it was like, you know, outside of Sacramento. I mean, I was showing sort of outside of Sacramento, but it was like six years ago. I was just doing like tons and tons of paintings and not like, oh, I'll make a career out of this, you know. So Aaron really did help me with that. And then I became friends with Brett Brent through that. And then I uh, just sort of like see him here and there. And then I came back for that other show at the voice gallery. Right. Cause I, I loved working there. I love Monica and all those people there. It's like, and you guys are so, it's so cool. You know, like I, everything is so laid back, you know, and I've experienced, even though now I'm like, I have like some, like, I don't know, so like small level of like notoriety as an artist or whatever. It's weird because it doesn't make things easier. Like, what makes things easier is like when galleries and people involved in the arts are professional, mature, uh, patient, considerate and understanding, you know, and like communicative, but like, it doesn't matter, you know, like things don't change, like people, the egos of things and all that stuff sort of just is what it is. Like, it doesn't matter. Like people are like, you know, even if you're like a super professional and there's like tons of proof online that like you're really accomplished or you work your ass off and that you're like completely professional and dependable, like people still just be like, whatever, like I have my own agenda, you know? And they're like, okay, well, that's cool. You have that. So I'm just going to go down the road where it's more mellow, you know, or whatever. So I don't know. It's interesting. Like, that's why I haven't really done too much in Los Angeles because I do go down there and I, I just feel like if it happens organically, I want it to kind of happen organically, you know, and um, I, me and Alex have a show at the end of the year at Gallery 1988, which should be really, really great. And um, yeah, Alex he actually, uh, he, he dropped the ball on that, or I guess dropped the ball isn't the right terminology. He, he released that. He, that was a, a insider release when he did his episode of the podcast. He told us that you guys were doing that show. Oh, good. So I'm not the one dropping the ball. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he already uh, did it. Sweet. Good. No, but I'm really excited about that. And like, so I can sort of like, you know, I, I think Jensen's really awesome, like, easy to deal with for me. I, that's all my experiences with, with him have been super positive or whatever. So I don't have to like hide behind Alex and be like, yo, deal with these cats, would you? <laughs> you know? I know you can kind of be like one of his little characters that rides on the back of the monster or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah I'd be there throwing knives and daggers and shit. And he can, uh, he can just, <laughs> actually, he's more, he's way mellow. So I can't really ask him to bust balls. You know? Maybe we'll get somebody else or something. Yeah, hire a little fucking a little troll monster. Yeah, or or Dwayne Johnson, the guy, the Rock. You know, I like him. You like that guy? <laughs> yeah, I like that guy. Nice. He's getting hell above, dude. You that, seen him? No, uh. Uh-uh. He's getting bigger, man. It's pretty crazy. Well, he's supposed he's doing some movie coming up here, right? I think he's doing another <laughs> one of those like. Fast and the Furious or yeah, something dude, like Fast, Fast and the, the Furious, Furious Ten uh, Part Four or whatever. Yeah, Ten and, and a Half. Uh, Vin Diesel. Yeah, I like you know I want I like The Rock. He's one of my favorites. I don't know if anybody cares about that, but I just have some favorites. Whatever you know. They might. We'll put a link to The Rock in the blog. Fuck it. We'll put his <laughs> yeah. picture in there. The people's elbow. Speaking of, <laughs> That's I've been getting. <laughs> I've been getting super buff doing the uh, doing kickboxing and jujitsu, man. 
fucking wild. Right. Wait, you have been though, right? You yeah. really have been. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been training for a month, about four days a week. Dude, that's awesome. So it feels pretty good though to be uh, like more in connected with your body in that way. I guess it's unbelievable. So- like I'm learning about new muscles that I didn't know existed. Learning how to, you know, you do become more mindful of how your right. body works. Like like throwing a kick properly, like using your hips to do it, you become more mindful of how you how you utilize your stuff. And you know, for you, you know, as artists, a lot of times we end up with really shitty posture. Yes. You know, from <laughs> crunching up and painting and holding the brush like it's like your last grip at life, like as you're slipping out of Sylvester Stallone's hand in cliffhanger. Right. <laughs> exactly. There's another little <laughs> random movie reference. Sylvester Stallone, he's fell, he fell off. But yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, like when I'm painting murals, I really enjoy the act of painting murals because a lot of times it's outside and it's a lot more physical. It's very physical. It's very much more like, you know, walking around, moving, big strokes, you know, brush strokes and stuff or things like that, you know. And I, I do, I, I think that there's there's definitely something to be said for the connection that we have with our bodies like i i realized you know i I was building my house i built my house here we built like this whole artist community here whatever and i was very very like in tune with my body and very trusting of what i could and couldn't do and like i became very strong and like I mean, like, I wasn't even using ladders after a while. Like, I was just climbing up the faces of buildings and, like, doing all this stuff and, like, able to, like, lift huge, you know, climb ladders with big, like, four by eight foot sheets of wood and all this stuff, you know. And and then, like, after a while, I was really tired. My body was hurt and all that, sunburnt and angry and everything. And and it's construction worker style, you know. And then uh, I just kind of mellowed. But I do feel a concern with that. Like, I, I think that people underestimate how good it can feel to be mindful and connected to your body and your mind. I think that there's like emotions, you know, body and, uh, you know, like social mindfulness, like all this stuff comes together to form like a whole person where you're happy and like feeling good. And you're able to like trust yourself and, know that it's okay you know i feel like we're such a society of reactionaries and i feel like it's just because we're so like out of touch with our own selves that it becomes very difficult to have day-to-day positive experiences and be able to deal with them without like taking that energy and passing it off onto somebody else you know how many times it was like you had to interact with some person who's all mad at you but really they're not mad at you. They're mad about something else. And you're like, Hey, you need to like, take that, take that whole thing you got (laughs) going on there and just like, think about it, you know? And so like, I, I, I'm not as in tune with myself physically in the moment as I normally am, even though I trust my body and I have a delusions that I'm some, you know, very powerful, like the Hulk, you know, but, uh, I feel like I'm more st- more studious about my emotional uh, landscape, you know, and my my mental and social landscape, and like what's considerate, what's not. I, I try to be very very mindful about my just decisions and how they affect those around me. But I do feel like I am lacking, and all, I'm always learning about that. But I'm very much lacking about my my physical connection, you know. So like, and- there's this, uh, you know, 
boxing gym down the street actually and i was thinking about trying to work something out with them because it's really expensive but i think it would just be cool to like just be able to jump rope and get into crazy shape and just have these like motor skills that i used to have you know my whole life i've been in like kind of athletic so yeah it's it's amazing like i i get a lot of the same rewards that i get from making art in exercise and particularly since I started doing I'm doing classes you know so there's Mm -hmm. a certain work ethic that gets bestowed upon everyone because you're all working together to do this thing that you're all kind of feeding off one another energy wise in terms of like all right I'm gonna keep going because if I stop then that's not fair to the rest of the people in the class or you know so like I've done these workouts that are by far much more energy draining than anything I've ever done before. Like I like to ride bikes and I I jog in the morning with my dog. Um, But like the amount of energy that I expend in the gym now is, is totally different than ever before. And it's just that little bit of extra incentive, you know, and something that's interesting about the the connection between the mind and the body, like we have all these built up energies that if we don't expend them, then they turn into like stresses where people get pissed and annoyed with one another. And I've been talking about it a, a lot, and I've been repetitive on the podcast, but I don't give a shit. Um, cool. But everybody in the in the in the gym who fights, they're all super kind, respectful, nice, like easygoing people outside of the gym. And what I've what I've learned is that if you expend all those physical energies in the gym in the morning, you don't have the physical energy to be a dick to somebody. Yeah, that's, I, I totally agree with that. I, I definitely think that like, uh, like moving energy and giving it a place to go is by far like one of the most therapeutic things that you could do. I, I notice that man, like sometimes when I don't move around or I'm not very physical, um, when I'm getting ready for a big show and I'm just hunched over and I am like a completely psychological crazy person i'm like thinking about stuff all the time like just like mentally toiling on the the earth and things that frustrate me and just stuff like this you know so that like i have all this crazy energy that in my body and i'm like dude i need to move it and if i don't i start freaking out man like i start i start tripping out like if i don't move some energy if i don't get out of the studio right now and go and like uh, just work out, like work through some of this stuff that's in me. Like, I'm just going to like lose my mind, you know? Well, let me and, ask like, go ahead. Do, uh, do you feel like when you're, when you're in the art making process that that, that your mind quiets and some of that stuff goes away? I think so. I think a lot of times it does. I feel it's interesting. Like a lot of times my mind is, it does quiet it quiets down if i have the time to just sort of like mellow out and and just just do art then yeah i do i get kind of quiet i get into a zone i listen to some music or something but i also think like the stress of being a modern artist is is like so crazy and i mean like when i'm working on like a big body of work you know for a show that's not sold yet You know, it's like I have to do like a gang of all these designs for people and things and murals and stuff to make money. So it's like balancing so many different things and my relationships, you know, and my girlfriend who I love to hang out with. And it's like therapy just to be with her. 
and then music and then like exercise and then trying to find time to like eat good and like all this stuff. It's just totally crazy. You know, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm totally privileged to have it, but it's hard to quiet the monkey mind when, uh, there's just so much to worry about, you know? I mean, like I, it's like, it's like, it must be like what a female feels like having to manage and emotionally manage like people and, you know, wherever they work or like the men in their lives and stuff. Like I noticed that I was like, damn, it's like really, really stressful for me to like manage all this stuff, you know? And then I realized that like growing up, that's what my mom did. She was like constantly managing stuff. That's what my sister does with her family. They're just managing everything. That's what my girlfriend does. We're just managing stuff, you know? So I, I kind of feel like I have a little taste of what it must be like to be like a female, you know, in that way. So I guess I'm trying to, I'm becoming a fem, I'm a, trying to be a feminist in my life. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't even think you have to be a feminist, but I think there's well, something. I want to be. There's something in, uh, you know, being, uh, what's the word? Empathetic. Yeah. So yeah. It's empathy, like... empathy and understanding. I think, I think that's like a serious, it's so funny. We're just talking about this, but I totally feel like empathy, um, you know, having, I guess an emotional availability to the suffering of others or the situations of others is like completely lacking in our world right now, you know? And but do you find that in creative types that it seems to always be there or for an overwhelming majority of creative types, there seems to be uh, almost a, a skill of empathy, not just like deciding to be empathetic to other people, but like sometimes like for myself and I, I may just be projecting it onto other people, but like I can actually like physically feel other people's pain sometimes or like it's almost like the suffering can find me. Mm -hmm. It's it's probably me searching them out subconsciously, but it's yeah. like people who are suffering have a way to find have a tendency to find their way into my life. Did you just lose audio? No, no, I hear you. I hear okay. you. I'm sorry. Um and it seems like it that seems to be a repetitive thing that I find amongst artists. Yeah, I think I think uh it's interesting you say that because um I generally fight the cliche romanticized uh vision of like the artist, artist as like capable of feeling more than other people or they hold some kind of you know, intellectual insight that others couldn't understand or that we're like, we just are how we are. We're just so crazy, you know, or like narcissistic, you know? And uh -huh. like, I, I actually agree with the narcissism part, but what about <laughs> that others, the other stuff, I actually feel like the, the way that we're socially conditioned, I feel like if, if anybody allows themselves the space and, and the, um, the personal trust in themselves to actually be creative. I think just in that act, they're like going against the grain because we're not conditioned to be like creative and be like, you should be creative and like do all this great stuff and nurture yourself in this way and make yourself, you know, like, like available to be able to do these things that are unorthodox because in our society, you know, in, 
kindergarten or whatever, they're like, oh, there's that kid over there who can actually draw something that looks like something. Let's encourage him. And then everybody else will be like, oh, you're not really kind of, you're not really an artist. It, you know, you know, ah, it's not really going to work out. You know, maybe if you, you do something else, you know, and here's some math here, we'll work <laughs> on this, you know, and you can write and read well, whatever. So like, I think that when people allow themselves to be creative, they're allowing themselves to see things in, in a way where it's like not conditioned. So, so it's sort of like the emotional you're, you're using, like you say, new muscles, you're using like new muscles, uh, and, and thought like you're, you're basically throwing off the rein of conditioning of like how you should and shouldn't be. So like, once you start kind of challenging what you should and shouldn't be, you start challenging like how much empathy am I allowing myself to feel? How much uh, like in anger at injustice am I allowed to feel? And so like what happens is it sort of plants the seeds for people to like challenge social conditioning and norms. Yeah. So they're like, and those I people really the- care a lot. Like I care a lot and fuck you if you don't think that that's cool. <laughs> you know, I'm allowed to feel how the fuck I want. Like how many people do you know? Uh, you just cut out. I think we lost him. Let's try again. Uh-oh. We're going to have the same problem that we had with Andres. Let's see. Oh, he's now offline. Trying again. Uh-oh. Damn it. All right. Here we go again. Yo, buddy. Hey, man. Sorry about bad. that. My uh, my internets are their bootleg internets from Mexico. So nice. Those are the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of they fail sometimes, but you know, whatever. It's no yeah, good. no worries. I have some failures sometimes over here too. Just running the recording program and Skype yeah. at the same time puts the heavy burden on the uh, the computer brain, I guess. I think that's what just happened, actually. Totally, just that—that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Running, uh, running heavy burdens over here. Spinal tap. Spinal yeah, tap. it's a lot. It's of, always a lot of burden on the shoulders with the the cyber shoulders. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so we were talking about uh, empathy and creative types, and I—I like that analogy that it's like those people who decide to call bullshit on the system. End up yeah. just finding their way into different creative avenues. Yeah, but I, I agree I, with that. I must have been calling bullshit from the womb. <laughs> I I think I was kind of forced into it. I think that was people were like heaping so much bullshit onto me. I was all I was like, hey, wait a minute, you know? I was like, hey, wait, now hold up, now I'm tired of this. So I got into it. I was just like, you know, growing up, it was like just weird you know I, it, I think it's weird how different people find themselves in these um creative modes i think like if some people come out they're in a supportive loving situation where it's like okay to be creative and that their their ability to make their own decisions and experience things on their own terms is nurtured i think that's ultra rare I don't sure. I I know almost nobody who's been raised that way but the few people that I do know are like the most mellow, centered, happy people, not caught up in any kind of capitalistic, 
you know, ventures of trying to be rich, famous, beautiful, or whatever. They're just like, hey, let's um, let's make a fundraiser to stop animal torture, you know, or something like that. And I'm like, I'm down. Let's do that, you know. So I, I found myself as a creative spirit as as a means of escapism, actually. And I think when people are put in some somewhat strange situations, they develop interesting survival skills or coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And I think those coping mechanisms then can like empower people to question and challenge things that are harmful. I mean, like my whole thing for the last couple of years, as I've become more aware of the suffering of other beings on the planet, people, animals, um, inequality, uh, just classism, just all this sexism, racism, uh, jingoistic, divisive behavior, all this stuff, I've been freaking out about it, you know, and it's like completely turned me into this like government hating, cop hating, authority hating, uh, like, you know, just kind of angry, but positive sort of person you know people are like oh you're so positive you know and I'm like that's how I'm not going to live my life any other way I'm going to keep searching for a happier way of living but it doesn't mean that I'm going to like turn my back on the truth of the matter is that like my whole life and the convenience that I encounter is all completely based on a structure that like supports that you know and so I mean I live in California. The only reason that I can even be an artist for a living is because I live in Northern California. You know what I mean? Like how many people, you know, that are like way better painters than me that live in the middle of America. And they're like, man, wish I could just drive up to juxtapose and show them my paintings or whatever, you know? And so like, I'm just, I'm really lucky in this way. And I don't like to forget that. And I also in a macrocosmic scale, don't forget that I live in a completely privileged country where all of our convenience, all of our easy stuff is like basically on the backs of others in other countries that aren't as privileged, you know, or people just like people that work crappy jobs. Like you just go to the, go to the store or something. I'm going to get a burrito because I'm a bratty privileged art guy and I eat burritos and I'm into that, you know, whatever. So then I go to the burrito store and there's like somebody there who's probably got like a bunch of kids and is like, trying to make me a burrito and like it's just like miserable life nobody you know addresses them like they're just lowly burrito wrappers or whatever you know and i just like make every instance that social instance that i have with people like fun you know and i just say hey what are you into oh cool like sweet thanks you know oh all right you know just like have an awesome conversation with people because i just feel like we've become completely like disconnected from each other just as people like you know like i just think that's just so so bizarre do you think um do you think a portion of that is is due to the last 10 years like the because of september 11th like some of the social changes that happened just on the social changes that happened september 12th right um, because I've been talking about this subject quite a bit lately, and it's one of those mm-hmm. things where it feels like we're starting to get out of that 9-11 hangover, that like decade-long hangover that was like keeping us separated, keeping us untrusting of one another, keeping us angry. You know, like I feel like for me, I'm coming out of it, and I felt like just before then there was a, a sort of feeling of community and 
particularly among art groups and, and art communities, like there was a real strong uh, bond that sort of fell apart a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, mass political propaganda, I think tra tragedy, I think a lot of these sort of large-scale terrorist explosive sort of realities that that uh, we experienced on September 11th um, that that threw us into you know as you say like a kind of a hangover or sort of like this uh, sort of like this like fear induced sort of negative collective mental atmosphere well I think it's interesting because it's like people do talk about it. They're like, man, it's really, really affected me. You know, it's really affected everybody around. Oh, we lost you again. Darn it. All right, looks like he's back online. Let's call him. <coughs> oh, he's calling. Yeah, we're good. Hey. What's up, buddy? Uh, sorry about that. So do you just want to just, oh, do you think we should just do audio? Um, yeah, we can. The video is just so that, like, we could see when each other are talking, but, um... No, that... Okay, I'm just saying my computer is kind of whack, I think. This is a really great interview. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I was just about to say how great of a guest you are, but that your internet sucks. <laughs> I was gonna... I think it's gonna gonna... be something, man. Like, I, I put two positives and then one negative. You know what? I like that. I like that about you. Nice. That's considerate. I think. I think it's always good when when bringing to attention somebody's shortcomings that you preface it with. You're a really great person. You're a really nice artist. So you internet. And I even I say the two nice things first. Yeah, you and gotta get them all. You gotta build them up before you rip them down. <laughs> and uh, you're you know it's not your fault. You're not the internet genie. You're not saying okay, internet fail. No, I'm not an internet genie. And you know what? I think we established that at the beginning. I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not even really a genie at all. It's always been a lie. But uh, anyway, so, okay, do you want me to, okay, so what I was saying about 9-11, I, I feel like I'm, I'm really becoming aware of like what being in a position of power or privilege does to your, your mental ability to understand what other people are going through. We're like, Oh, hell no, when that happened. You're like, oh, no. And then, like, the ramifications, the communal ramifications of such a negative act and the fear-inducing propaganda after that and how we are and we, we – like, something bad happens. We're, like, replaying it over and over again and talking about it and then we create this, like, massive war and then all this stuff. And then we find out the war was wrong and then we find out that George Bush wanted to get up on Saddam Hussein the whole time and, like – you know, which is interesting if you research all the stuff with Saddam Hussein. He was, like, all homies with Ronald Reagan and all this stuff, like, back in the day. And, like, they were going to, like, get this big oil pipeline. And then Saddam Hussein's like, nah, I don't really want to do that anymore. And then that's what created the whole thing with Saddam Hussein was that he basically was like, I just want to do my own thing. And they're like, well, we're the United States. We do our thing on whoever we want, whenever we want. So anyway, outside of that, what I'm saying is 9-11, it happened and all this stuff. And everybody's like, like tripped out and scared. And it's like, it's like, do you, you, you know, like not even a couple of years before that, Bill Clinton did the like longest bombing campaign on Bosnia in the history 
of whenever. And then, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like all this stuff happens and it doesn't even seem like people are really aware of the suffering of others until they get a taste of it and they're like, holy crap, this is what it's like? No way, you know? And I mean, just just all across the board, you know, I, I was in Europe uh, about a year and a half ago. I, I went on a backpacking trip with my girlfriend. We just went, we started in Ireland and ended up in Romania. So you see like a large gamut of things and like none of those countries are like poor countries except for Romania, really. So we see all this stuff. Well, everywhere we go, um, it just sort of seemed like everybody was more comfortable about who they were, the struggles of other people, what they do for a living. It wasn't like people were like, I'm a bus driver, but I really wish I was like a Jersey Shore person. They were just like, I'm a bus driver. This is what I do. I have a good time. I drink a pint of Guinness and like enjoy my kids and laugh and I hate local politics and I, you know, don't like this and I love this and this is who I am and it's all good. Like there's not like this crazy condensed apocalyptic beauty campaign, you know, like America, like when I'm in, when I'm in Europe, I'm like, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, holy shit, I feel like everything's going to be all right. You know, and then like, you know, and then I come back to the United States and I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm back because the coffee's really good and the food's really great. And then like a couple of months later, I'm like, I can't look at the news. I can't do it. I can't do anything without feeling like this is the this is the apocalypse right now. The slow grinding uh, nightmare media apocalypse. And that's what I realized is that even though I resist very strongly, I resist uh, a lot of uh, the, the 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 sort of conditioning that happens from, you know, the news and the media and TV and this and that. I don't even watch TV. I don't even listen to radio. I don't even look at newspapers, you know, and like I just look into certain things, like certain aspects of news that I trust from people I trust. Like I'm into uh knowing about that Bob Barker gave $5 million to the Sea Shepherd so they could buy more boats to stop whaling. You know, I'm like, cool, that's positive. I'm focused on that, whatever. But I even find myself like totally paranoid after hearing the news for so long. I'm like so paranoid and so freaked out. And I'm like, dude, this is it. Like, this is it. People don't stop having kids. People don't care about other people. People don't care about the suffering of animals. People don't care where their food comes from. They don't care where their clothes come from. They don't get – and like all this stuff, things that are popular in our culture are like really mediocre forms of music, television. Like all this stuff is just like so mediocre and like it's funny but, you know, it's like that movie Idiocracy. Have you seen that film? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I'm like, dude, straight up. How can that movie so honestly parallel the truths of our modern life? Seriously, the president was like an action star. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the governor of California. Yeah, Dude, I mean, you know, it's it's not that, that far-fetched, really. No, and people still love Gatorade. You know, <laughs> they love it, man. It's like medicine. It's, it's overtaken. People don't even drink Robitussin anymore, man. It's all about Gatorade. And the, you know who the mayor of Sacramento is? Is Kevin Johnson, that basketball player really? from, the, from the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and he sure. won the mayor of Sacramento position because he was like a famous basketball player. 
And this was after he was publicly outed as somebody who has sex with underage teenage girls. Right. He uh, runs slums in Sacramento. He's a horrible landlord. All this stuff, like there's all these uh, uh, pending lawsuits against him. He's known as like this totally creepy weirdo. And like, they're like, yo, but he'd be a sick ass mayor. Let's do this, you know? Yeah, like, okay. well, you know, there you got to think about it because okay, let's say you you know you say you focus on like the positive stories that you hear, but you still get paranoid from like the small bits of of news that you pick up. It goes back to that that empathy thing. Like for some reason, it's like I it seems to be that like people who have moments of of clarity of mind, like when I was talking about like as in the creative process, you have you go through a meditative phase where you close things down. And I think that opens you up to other emotions that you may not have the amount of mental space, you know, to work through. If you're worried about driving to work, uh, dealing with your boss, sitting in the office all day, all those built up stresses, right? Yeah. So as artists, we have time to shut the fuck up and or, you know, and in other words, you, you can also say that you have time to think in a different way. You're not constantly mm -hmm. on the grind of of making sure the boss isn't looking over your shoulder or how am I going to pay my next bill, even though we do suffer from those things. But, you know, we are able to have some moments of clarity in the, in our work process. And not that we're the only ones that do that. Cause that's like that, like narcissistic, I'm so smart artist, but you know, I think it's the same way that a monk does a mantra or like somebody who meditates or somebody who does exercise that, while you're exercising, you're not thinking about shit except for like happiness and joy and and exerting that energy. Like you're, it's it's all pure. There's no there's no stress really that exists in that thing. Maybe in competition to a certain extent, but you know, like if you're just jogging down the street to get some energy out, there's a a mindset that takes place when you're doing those things. Just in the same way that uh, or your mind gets set in a certain way when you're painting. You know, I recently started doing the sensory deprivation tank. You know, your mind works in a totally different way when you're you're depriving certain senses that are always working nonstop. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I I saw that movie. <laughs> what was that movie? Uh, altered the, states. Altered states. Yeah, about that movie, and I was like, How weird is that fucking movie? He started transforming it, experimenting with psychedelics, and then he was like transforming you know going back into his prime you know primeval primitive state and i was like dude i gotta make a sensory deprivation tank and i i know that it's um like what the buddhists or whatever they call taming the monkey mind you know where you're just uh instead of like all those thousands of thoughts that come into your mind all the time but just being ultimately mindful of of like just pure like sort of consciousness you know and it's interesting that you say like yeah we get those moments where we are free to meditate or we're in a meditative state as artists doing all this stuff. The, the structure that we have of people having to constantly grind to make money to do this just to get by doesn't allow uh, people the free time to actually just think about their lives or to do anything. Like no, no, if no. the powers that be or this structure or the capitalist structure, the economic structure has its way, Ultimately, it's just like rats in a little cage running around, running around, running around. And you don't get those moments to reflect on like life. 
Which I mean, that, that's why you there's for me personally, like I have to be empathetic for the of people who are, uh, you know, enjoying watching Jersey Shore and reality shows and eating Cheetos and and getting fat on the couch because they have their even though it's a, a clearly unhealthy way to find that joy, they have perceivably no other option for them. Like they, they don't have time to go to a fucking jujitsu class for an hour in the middle of the day. Right. You know what I mean? Like they don't have that opportunity because they're grinding just to get by and, and get all these like goods and things that they feel like they need. Or, you know, if your kids need the new iPod or whatever the fuck broke last week. Right. I, I agree. Um, like I don't, I can't really judge. Like that's the thing. I don't really judge, uh, outright i don't i don't judge anybody the way that they spend their leisure time the things that i uh i think that that's fine like uh <laughs> i'm funny because i'm very sheltered so i actually stay with my buddy chris in san francisco and they he, him and his girlfriend they watch jersey shore because they think it's funny and it's like a bunch of you know these miscreants having fun which i i do think it's funny i actually enjoy watching it but my mind was completely blown. I think the reality is I, I don't know how much dumber things could get, you know, as far as like what our entertainment is, you know. And so like I don't judge them, but like I also feel like uh, there's also – alternatives <laughs> you know well, you know like, i get that i just think that like investing in those things and my worry is if people just continue to kind of come home and be like prop their feet up and watch jersey shore or sports or the cosby show reruns or whatever the hell they want that they themselves are robbing themselves of the very things that enrich their lives like if you go out to a film or go support like a a band or see a band or go go see like comedy like i love going to like comedy nights and stuff and you never see that many people out there it's it's almost like these forms of entertainment from the past music plays comedy theater performance art uh you know or even just socializing in an uninterrupted present way with the people that you care about and love is sort of like passing by the wayside you know, and uh, like uh, I went to a show last night. I'm, I was like a little bit frustrated about it. It's this band called Holy Holy Holy. They're a like anarchist gypsy punk band from Portland. They're incredible, dude. They're so they're so soulful and beautiful people, and they just travel around playing this music, um, inspiring people to like shed any kind of inhibitive mindsets and like really live and party and dance and stop being such a square and like have a good time, you know? And like, dude, like seriously, straight up, like 15 people showed up. It was a free show and like 15 people show up and nobody's there. And like, I'm just having so much fun and I'm just frustrated because I see less and less people participating in this way that I feel like really does, uh, inspire like true interaction in life you know and like i don't i don't spend a bunch of time judging people for watching uh jersey shore more as i'm more frustrated that people aren't doing these other things that are available that like really make life interesting and what happens is what happens when we stop supporting 
uh, things that make life interesting. That shit's not there anymore. That shit, that shit dries up and goes away. Yeah, because it needs like, that support. Taking things for granted, dude. Anyway, it's not to uh, tr- you know get all mad or anything. No, 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 and that that sort of relates to what I was saying about the nine eleven hangover thing, like, and then the advent of technology directly thereafter. You know, like we have these we have these new sort of interactions, which it's like we're utilizing it right now, like. You and oh, yeah. I wouldn't be having this conversation uh, a thousand miles apart or whatever the fuck from the opposite ends of California. Right. You know, we're, we're utilizing these things. And so it creates what becomes a different type of community. And it's so strange. I, I have this little, like, set of words that I wrote down in my notes uh, that says... Uh, Nobody writes anymore, as in, like, writes letters, like, with a W... Mm-hmm. And then nobody knows their rights anymore with a R, you know, right. like the rights. And then nobody knows anyone, but everybody knows everyone now or something to that effect. I, I don't have yeah, it in front of me. Totally. But it's like, we I totally all know. agree with that. And it changes like all of a sudden, you know, it's so weird, like, especially doing this podcast and, you know, updating my fucking Facebook and Twitter every day, like, all of a sudden, I realized that all of my conversations that I would have with a person face-to-face are out in the internet ether, out in the atmosphere already, and sure. there's almost like a repetitiveness to where I was like, shit, I have to keep a couple stories so that when I'm out and seeing friends that I'm not like repeating my Facebook wall. And that's, so, that's such a brand new fucking thought pattern, like, bizarre. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I know. Like... Just sort of, uh, like, I think just the traditions of connecting with people in these these certain ways, like, yeah, just hanging out, having a beer, and then, like, laughing because, you know, some wacky thing that happened. Or, like, my dog, like, ran away at the beach and then, like, you know, jumped in the ocean and just be like, but, like, you'd have pictures of it on Facebook already. They're all, oh, yeah, we know. We saw it already. Like, yeah, yeah that like, was cool. Whatever. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is that that does certain things to our mind. So, like, scientists, like, there's been studies that show, like, you know, when we're watching, like, America's Funniest Home Videos and we see somebody, like, eat shit on a skateboard and rack their nuts. Like, right. we, our brain internally, like, there's some sort of electronic connection where it, feels that and it's back to that empathetic thing but it can it actually like that's why we cringe like why do we all of a sudden like pucker up when it fucking we see somebody fucking wreck themselves you know because we we sort of feel it you know well, I feel physically it, I, right yeah definitely i know uh because you can actually feel it in your balls right when you see somebody's balls so if you're watching somebody's facebook you know using the term watching and sort of loosely you sort of experience what people are experiencing especially if there's photos to go along with a paragraph description of something our brain, by just by reading it and looking at it, like watching a YouTube video, we sort of, our brain is, is dumb in that this new information it thinks is sort of real in terms of its, like, computing capabilities. Does that, yeah. you know, yeah, does that Yeah, no, sense? I agree. I think, again, too, that that is actually up to viewers, like, when, like, how, how 
much do we allow ourselves to feel anything at any time? Like when you look at something, I mean, uh, I, I am so struck by the beauty and the tragedy and the humor of life in any form. Like when I'm online, you know, and somebody's like, this horrible thing happened to me and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I, I really feel that, you know? And like when somebody's like, you know, this amazing thing happened to me, like I feel joy for that person. I feel like really good about what's happening for them. I'm like, that's so cool. And I think that that in a way, I really worry that people in, in the way that things going and that we kind of are even through technology, technology does really bring us together, but technology actually does disconnect. So do you think people. that that's like, that could be the cause of just 15 people at the show? Do you think that's, that's what's keeping people separated and sort of just staying in their homes or, you know, whatever. Well, I think, I think ultimately I do think that there is no substitute from experiencing things firsthand. And I'm just that way. I, I will wake up in the middle of the night and ride my bike like to, to wherever, if, if it means that I can see something interesting or whatever. I just don't, I just think that like, if we were a little less lazy about wanting to connect with people, regardless of how it is. I mean, because if you see something online and you're like, God, that looks like an amazing experience or like whatever, well, don't stop there. Go all the way and go to that experience. You know, I mean, it's, it's always, life is always better firsthand, you know, and I think that we get a little bit lazy. We're like, oh, I'll just see it online or can you videotape that or something, you know, and I just DVR it. I just think that there's something to be said about going out of your way to offering your energy to something. I mean, if we really want to be communal, I think that we should definitely be communal by showing with action that we care, that we are in inspired, that we are empathetic, that we're in it together. Our culture totally breeds an uh, independent style of thought where it's about the person. It's about me. You know, it's about me being a star or getting notoriety or being the big dog or being special or whatever. And it's like, okay, cool. But to what end does that really enrich your life? I mean, if you're alone, who cares if you're rich, if you're alone, who cares if you're famous, if you're just alone and you don't have positive loving interactions with people, that's a shitty life, man, straight up, sure. you know? And, and I just, I, I can't even fuck with that. And that's why I get frustrated because I guess in a way it is an injustice to me that that like these people that are putting their asses on the line to do the very things that make people's lives better aren't appreciated but it's it's an injustice because people are robbing themselves of those experiences and man when when shit goes it's gone you know what I'm saying and like we need to be in the moment now like with things and people like do it let's do this shit you know yeah and do you feel like it's it's get like more and more people like it's sort of snowballing like effect? Or do you think I, this is do you think this just comes with getting old? Uh what caring more when you get old or yeah. not caring more? Caring more. Well, I think that uh I've sort of grew you know, I, I've been like a negative dick most of my life. <laughs> but but then uh but then like in the last like Probably seven years, 
uh, which has been since I've been with my girlfriend, who's really supported me while I've made the transition from negative dick to like caring, loving dick, you know, or whatever. So, so, um, I just feel like I've learned through being in a nurturing, loving, emotional environment with my girlfriend, where it was okay to be sensitive. It was okay to open myself up to things. It was okay to like do this stuff. I've really become like a lot happier, a lot more fun, a lot more, a lot less lazy about the things I care about, having, having way more conviction about standing up against like industries and social conditions that I think are harmful. Like I think eating meat, is like param is like tantamount to like doing horrible horrible acts mindlessly. It's just like if you took people don't take five minutes to just go online and look at the way that things are processed. Like we've removed ourselves in a lot of ways emotionally from things because of convenience. And I think when you start taking convenience away from people, they get pissed off. But when you just give them convenience, they'll just be like they'll just turn a blind eye to everything, man. What if you were just eating like dog meat? You know, they'd be like, I don't want to hear about that shit. I thought it was like, you know, like I thought it was like goats or something. You know, it's pleasure. Like, oh, so it's okay to eat goats, but not dogs. Like, how do you draw distinctions? It's all social conditioning. It's easy. Anyway. It's it, it. It comes down to pleasure and pain. That's it. Well, yeah, our pleasure, somebody else's pain. You know, and or, that's how I feel about convenience. Or like what we were saying before, like if somebody's experiencing pain for uh, 18 hours of their day, that one hour where they hit all those, uh, you know, brain chemicals that take place when we get fat and and salt and sugar and those things into our diet. Like, the, yeah. we're not really supposed to be eating those things all the time like we do. And that's why we have so such a bad obesity rate. But it's like, that also is is a mind thing where they're hitting all that all those pleasure centers when they when they ingest food like that so it's easy for people to be like well fuck you i'm going to that's my that's my joint right there you know that's my heroin nuggets right no i well that's that's the thing is like okay so convenience right so right if i want some food and i don't want to make it or grow it or raise an animal and kill it, then that means I have to go to the store. So that means that somebody else had to make it, somebody else had to grow it, and somebody else had to kill it. Um, so then, like, say that I even take it a step further. I'm like, you know what? I don't even know about the people or how they treat the animals or how they, whatever, pesticides, and who knows what's on there. But you know what? You make that sacrifice and you when when you make that decision so then so let's say let's take it let's go to straight up mcdonald's right and you're like dude i want somebody to straight up cook it for me now like right so i don't know where the meat came from okay but when you get to that level of convenience dude that that's barely even meat anymore you know what i mean and you don't even know and so what happens is so many people are addicted to convenience that to keep up that level of uh demand you got to treat chickens like they're not even beings. You know what I mean? They're not even beings, dude. They're just a product. And when mm -hmm. you start treating beings like they're products and you participate in that, that's straight. That's evil. That's evil. When you participate in 
just the convenience of murder, of mass, mass murder. And, and not, I mean, these chickens and animals and stuff that we eat that are processed are not treated well. They're treated like shit. And sure. so if you want to like participate in that, that's a bad decision. You know, that's karma. You know what I'm saying? Like you just live your life. Yeah. Tight man. Got a new pair of shoes made somewhere. Somebody doesn't want to make shoes. Well, whatever. That's convenience. You made that decision. You want to go to McDonald's. You want to eat food that, that basically you participate in this like super, super evil and morally corrupt practice of mass, uh, like mass processing of animals. But and then, and then, and so then you're like, okay, cool. And then the people that are serving you that food have to work for the corporation that do it, probably don't make that much money, are unhappy. It's like the whole cycle is fucked and it's bad for you. It's and, like, what but, the fuck, dude? You know, a big part of that cycle, too, is, you know, we were talking earlier about privilege. You know, if we look at, at groups of people who are utilizing these extremely cheap forms of food, it's the poor with six kids. You know what I mean? Because yeah, totally. they're working two jobs. They don't have time to go home and make a good dinner, one. Two, they don't have the money to go to the farmer's market and get these organic vegetables and fruits that are actually really good for you. You know, like, I know that yeah. there's ways to afford it, but for these people who, it's, it's I always use the Wu-Tang line, how could he know what the fuck he never knew, right? So, like, right. if these people are, are, like you said, sort of almost trained into this capitalistic society where it's like you just work your ass off and try to survive and feed your kids, if you could feed your kids for five dollars as opposed to twenty five dollars because you have ten you're probably going to do five right and then right. It, it gets back to that thing of privilege it's like so you know in the way that this machine is set up there's definitely different cogs in the wheel that are like diff there's different explanations besides just like an evil consumer yeah yeah i think that definitely it comes to class it comes to all all that stuff. There's no farmer market, farmer's markets in the hood, dude. Are <laughs> right, you kidding me? Right. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? <laughs> but something, just... something that I wanted to talk to you about, which I'll, about that subject too, um, is I've been talking a lot about how like I feel like I'm like getting my body in shape to train, like like we're heading towards this apocalyptic like caveman mentality, where yeah. we're gonna sort of have to go back to learning to fucking how to live off the land how to grow our own food and, and be more self-sufficient. Because that's what it's come down to is a, a lack of self-sufficiency. And, yeah. and the system has diluted our tribal communities, our, even our familiar communities. You know, like once you're 18, you're out the house, you're getting a job, you're getting two and a half kids and a dog in your car and you want the picket fence and the whole fucking American dream thing, right? Right. But... It seems like that shit is on its way out the door <laughs> and something else is going to happen. Like, I don't know what, but it feels like internally my system is like, hey, you better start preparing because, you know, there may I might not be able to go to the burrito shop and get a fucking carne asada burrito. I might have to go chase down a fucking deer or catch some fucking fish out the stream and get real about it. Figure out right. which plants I can eat, which ones make you fucking die, you know. You know, we might yeah, see a system yeah. like that before we see like a real. Uh, what was the movie that we were we were talking about earlier? Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Before it gets that bad, I think we may have a shift the other way. Well, I mean, that's that. That's what's interesting is that like privilege is taking 
taking people so far away from having to do these things for themselves, you know, and if, if people that are addicted to convenience don't think that the rewards from actually taking care of yourself and taking responsibility for your own needs isn't rewarding, they're tripping, dude, because it's an, it's amazing, man. Like I, uh, me and my girlfriend planted a garden in the front yard because we had a lot of homeless people walking by and stuff so that they could stop by and get some tomatoes and some green beans and like nice. some food. And uh, they love it, man. They walk by, they're all excited for fresh vegetables and stuff. And like, I love it, man. I put that stuff in my salad or my food. I'm like, it's so, it's so cool, man. Just to like have that sort of old school connection to taking care of yourself. You know, I mean, there, there's nothing to replace it, man. It's like, I mean, you know that feeling, you just go to Ikea and you're like, I'm going to buy a desk and like put it together in five seconds. You know, it's like well, back in the day, you might have had to build that thing. And then that thing is around for a long time. And then you pass it on to the next kid and like things lose their value. Everything is so easy to buy and throw away and do this and that. And we're definitely onto that. And if the apocalypse did come, you're watching all these people like, I don't know what to do. Oh, Jesus. You know, it's like, well, speaking, <laughs> speaking of the apocalypse, it's sort of timely today. It's, uh, Tomorrow is Good Friday. Do you have any Easter plans? Uh, Easter plans. <laughs> oh, man. That's when JC comes back, right? Dude, I'm ready. Bring it. Come on, JC. Bring it. Okay. So, so dude, I don't, I don't know. I'm probably going to hang out with my mom and uh, have breakfast or something. I don't know. I'm not. Dude, I wasn't really raised Christian, but I'm down for Christmas because I love making weird gifts and giving them to people and it's i try to look at it as more pagan actually but dude have you seen the billboards jesus is coming back may 21st yeah I he's coming back dude the end times bro let's party i don't know that those billboards are are that literal but then again i'm look who i'm talking about <laughs> Well, wait, so so what do you think? So you think that, like... Um, I, I think those billboards are advertisements for, like, one of those, like, Billy Graham-type festivals where they all get together and make a shit ton of money. Really? That would make sense. Yeah. But I, I think that... Uh, I thought that it really was, like, they were like, okay, straight up, like, end times, man. Like, I was hoping... <laughs> I had that, you know? I had heard people saying that as well. I heard other people talking about that, and then I finally saw one, and it just gave me that because we always have this thing in San Diego. I guess I think Billy Graham used to do it, but it's called like the Harvest something or other. Like it's where they fill up the entire San Diego football stadium full of Christians and have a big fucking festival and just thing. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, you uh, you were a great interview. I didn't even, I don't even think, I don't even think I had to ask any of my my questions. But I got a good one for the very, so we're at the end of this thing, which is totally appropriate. But um, since we're at the end, but Crayola sent in a question and wanted me to ask you where you got your name from. Oh, oh, Crayola Simpkins, goddamn it, uh. You see how I use his last name? Because mm -hmm. I know his last name. I read it in a I read it in a magazine. Is but it a book uh, somewhere? No. Okay, so um so check it out. Uh when I was young, as, as like a very, very young child, 
it was, I lived in like this barn that my family made up in a place called Cool, which is like a very, very small, very rural, very small. There's like a gas station, a restaurant, a liquor store, and it was on a boardwalk. So it was like out in the middle of nowhere, there's this boardwalk with all the stuff that the people could get in the town. It was nutty. The dentist, there was like, you know, whatever, little place where you could buy alcohol so you could be an ins- you know insane alcoholic out in the forest yeah. um so anyway uh my mom you know so we lived out there and my mom is like this like totally jovial fun kind of wacky person and i was my name my real name it on my whatever birth certificate is warren davis the third right so oh. that was named after my dad who was this sort of like nutty kind of unpredictable like alcoholic sort of wild you know nut job guy so then um but my mom would call me pumpkin which isn't like a you know obvious sort of traditional endearment thing so she'd call me like oh little pumpkin and pumpkin skin so it was like pumpkin skin yeah and then pumpkin skin and then she's like skin just called me skin and they call me skinner you know, like pumpkin skin or like pumpkin skinner, or like skinner and all this stuff, you know, which I don't know. It's just like some wacky white trash shit, you know, <laughs> but like, uh, but it was funny because I had an uncle who was this very interesting character also who was like, you should just call him Snake. Snake is way better than Skinner. So, and then it was funny because there were several, you know, there were, we were just like weirdos, you know, like uh, white trash kind of beer drinking construction worker people that live out in the forest and they were like yeah snake you know and they were like super vying for my name to be snake and like my mom was all hell no and i say thank you mom thank you for not going along with the snake thing because (laughs) dude that's just too much man that's way too much so skinner that's how it happens pumpkin pumpkin skin skin skinner and I know people are like, eh, pumpkin skin. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't embarrass me. I don't give a shit. Yeah, just like you shouldn't be ashamed of your internet crashing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fucking funny, man. All I, right, all right. I will, I'll try not to be. I, dude, I'm upgrading though soon, sometime soon. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't let society tell you what your internet has to be. <laughs> I'm going to have a bake sale, dude, to get a new internet. That's awesome. Well, at least you'll be feeding people in the process. I know. How can I charge? Everybody in my neighborhood's broke. Put some weed in there. That's how you charge. I know. Give them a little bit of weed and watch them trip out. <laughs> have you ever Have you ever overdosed on weed cookies or weed brownies? Uh, no, dude. I'm a, I'm actually like a fucking I'm an edible monster. I could eat a hundred of them and they don't do anything to me. I actually dude. ate two last night that. If somebody probably ate half of it, they would have tripped out, but I ate the whole thing and it did nothing. If everybody if everybody out there, if anybody out there knows what I'm talking about, overdosing on marijuana is the worst experience you could ever have, dude. Holy shit. Maybe it overdosing is- overdosing might not be the proper terminology. Dude, I overdosed. <laughs> like I was fucking tripping. I was like Getting higher and higher and higher. You know that feeling when you eat mushrooms and your body starts to escalate and you just start feeling that sort of wave of energy come inside of your body and you just start tripping and you're just like, yeah! Okay, so, dude, that happens on weed brownies, you know, or weed cookie if it's too strong. And then you just keep going and you never stop. And then it's just like, 
throwing up. Like, I was just, like, vomiting. And, like, I wow. couldn't. Oh, dude, it was, like, the spins from hell. You just spin into oblivion, dude. It's bullshit. Okay, so whatever you <laughs> ate to do that may have, it would probably just, like, make my palms a little sweaty. Oh, because you're, like, a Rambo weed. You're, like, a weed genie. Well, I I don't know, man. I I guess. I probably, it's probably, I just am too obsessive. I like that about you, though. I think that's good. I Dude, your new paintings are looking amazing, too, by the way. I'm really into it. They're, like, really getting, they're getting trippy. I, I love it. Yeah, I, you know, the my ne I have a solo show coming up um, next month in San Diego. And it's Sweet. all sort of psychedelic stuff, like a sort of detachment from waking reality you know and i've sort of I've, I've just recently got back into experimenting with some psychedelics i was actually supposed to have my first dmt trip last oh. week but i hurt my neck and like the day i was supposed to i couldn't even like move around so i wasn't able to to take part in it but um like i said like i did the sensory deprivation tank like that's another one of those types of things but obviously not as as severe but yeah like, like it's funny i I sort of have gotten back into like a more spiritual phase of life coming out of being an atheist for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and sort of getting into Buddhism, but it was really physics that like quantum physics that sort of led me into like a more spiritual idea of, of energy and like what this like waking life really is and how yeah. it, our senses sort of distract us and, and give us a sort of false idea of what reality is sometimes. Yeah, I feel that from you. I feel that I I I I sense that that shift in you for sure. And you know, it's coming out of after working on a lot of really structured portraiture too. And you know, you were saying like how your girl has helped you become like more of a happy person and sort of more compassionate and, and connective with people and like I feel the same way and it's probably the, a lot of the same influence from my girl too. And it's funny how like my work has been shifting out of a more like structured like everything needs to be in its perfect place and really demanding and you know like hard nose as to what I feel like everything should be and now mm -hmm. I'm kind of letting go and not being so trying to be in control of everything more just letting what happens happen so it's like it's yeah. even a, a connection between how I hold a paintbrush like I've been saying like instead of holding it down by the bristles all tight as shit all crunched up I'm holding it from the end of the brush, the other, the opposite end, and just sticking my arm out and moving. And it's like you said about murals, like it's a different body movement. Yeah, it's great, dude. I think it's like uh, there's like a certain liberation that comes with not being a control freak. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, I've actually really been enjoying not being as much of a control freak. Like I used to be like crazy, crazy control freak, and I, I really, really love work ethic, like strong work ethic, but. I think also that if you stay too rigid, you know, you don't allow yourself the discoveries that come along with experimentation and opening yourself up to possibility. Sure, and that's ex that's exactly well put. How I uh, how I feel right now, like I was, everything was real rigid, but that was you know, and that sort of uh, mirrored how my life sort of was. Right, right. Definitely. I, I definitely love the fact that like I can kind of see where you're at in your life by looking at your paintings and how they kind of progress. Like, I think that's kind of cool. Like I started like when I came down to San Diego, what was that last year or something? And I saw your painting. Remember me and my girlfriend were there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, uh, 
I was all, oh man, check out your newer stuff. I was like, shit, this shit's looking real good, you know? And like, I was like, fuck, man, all right, you know? And you're like, yeah, it's my newer kind of transition, you know, whatever. And then like, I sort of seen like, I've only been privy to like very small, like little, you know, inklings of what you've been doing and stuff like that. But even like, I can just feel it from you even like just like whatever information I learn or like see on Facebook or Twitter or whatever that oh yeah he's like doing this thing yeah well you know I'm being more honest which is really the like I think the biggest key like I've been not even necessarily like I was being dishonest but I'm being more personally open about myself and who I am as opposed to being like more tight-knit and keeping things close to the sleeve or you know, tight to the heart or whatever. I'm, I'm, I feel much more, I feel less judged, less, uh, less, less anxiety about trying to hide who it is that I am. And this podcast, doing this thing, like having these type of conversations that you and I have had today are, is, has helped that, you know, this, you're number 45. So it's like, uh, I'm able to open myself up without any fears or, worries about judgment like it doesn't matter anymore and there's a freedom in that yeah there's a there's definitely a power in uh the kind of like the internal work of not judging because like a lot of times it's interesting because the the internal external projection stuff that people do is so funny like when somebody's like mad at somebody about something, it's because they're mad at themselves about that thing or whatever. So like, I felt that same way too. I used to be, and I continue to, I try not to be judgmental, but I used to be very judgmental. And like, I had tons of anxiety because I was like constantly tripping. Like, am I being judged? Am I being judged? Because if anybody was judging me as harshly as I was judging the external world, like everybody would be hating me. I'd be like tripping, tripping out tons of anxiety. And surprise, surprise, I'm not the center of the universe, bro. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? Did you hear about that? I'm not the center of the fucking universe. And nobody gives a shit. And you know what? It, it feels good. It's like, oh, yeah, tight. I can just, like, live my life and love things and, like, be okay. And, like, I realize that, you know. And then, like, whenever I feel bad about something, I just try to, like, really examine what it is that's at the root of that. And then there are is so much power in being honest and taking responsibility for the things that we've done that maybe affect people in a negative way. God, it's so great. Like it's such a gift to be given the chance to like just openly and clearly communicate with somebody like I, this makes me feel this way when you do this. And then they're like, okay, I hear that. I'm really sorry. Like, or whatever, like just that shit is like such a gift to give to each other, you know, just like the clear, easy, non-passive aggressive non-sarcastic communication you know it's so good and that's what we miss on the internet a big thing that we miss because you know when people type on the internet we automatically give them a tone of voice that either we that may not be there at all no not there at all or that they're projecting like if somebody's irritated dude i had the same thing happen on text the other day this dude was texting me all irritated about something and i was like i'm really sorry like i didn't mean for that to happen and he was just like like dude i'm so sick of your patronizing texts and all this stuff and i'm like dude i'm not being sarcastic i'm seriously really sorry and it was just like the more i would say i'm sorry the more he was pissed and the thing is, is that he's just in, in projecting that. And yeah. <laughs> if you have no idea where somebody's coming from if it's in a digital form. 
you know, no matter how many little smiley faces and shit, you know, I, I, dude, I put a shit ton of exclamation marks, smiley faces, all that shit. I'm like, yo, yo, it's scary. You know, they're like, you know, just so people know, like, yo, this is coming from like a really positive, fun loving place. And they're just like, man, he's really, he, he must have smoked some crack this morning. There's like 800 exclamation points and, you know. Yeah, either that or they think you're being condescending. I hope not. Shit. That's I, fucking I just weird. do it. I'm like, yo, this is really great. Exclamation point. How are you doing? Exclamation point. Exclamation point. You know, I'm just like, I just, I don't want to leave any room for miscommunication. So I'm like, yo, I'm coming from a really good, positive place. I'm excited. I'm happy about an interaction. Here it is. If you want the real shit, just give me a call. It's all good. My <laughs> phone never, my phone never fucking rings anymore dude it's crazy my phone uh, used to ring off the hook like crazy i'm like yeah what? but it's like my mom or some random number from another state or my girlfriend or like maybe a dude in my band but even them they're like they're just texting you know it's like nothing is done over the phone anymore it's trippy you might be getting old dude I'm a burnt chicken, bro. I'm burnt. <laughs> well, cool, man. I uh, again, I want to thank you for uh, for taking the time to do the show. Much appreciated. Of course. Um, let's get some of your your stuff out there so people, if they want to go check out your website, your twitters. Oh, oh yeah, you can uh, uh, follow my ridiculous uh, ramblings on Twitter if you want at the Art of Skinner or Facebook the Art of Skinner. Um, I'm just now relaunching my website. It's an insane, amazing archiving of my the stuff I've done in the last five or six years. It's theartofskinner.com. It's going to be nuts. And uh, Alex and Zero Friends let me have my own little like company thing so that I could sell my prints and shirts on stuff. You know, all my art on shirts and prints so that if people wanted that, they could get that because my paintings are too expensive. <laughs> For for people that have the you know for people that like them you know so I don't know I'm just making really nice prints and just making it affordable because I don't think art should be exclusive you know sure. so, but um anyways yeah just stuff like that just I don't know what else uh, if you just go to my website you could get all that other stuff off there you got some pretty good um, I always check your stuff for your retweets like you always post up the shit that big old titties says on Twitter <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't it. even I don't even follow it just because I know that you're gonna pick out probably the gems and just post them up for me so I don't have to get involved in even trying to decipher what the fuck homegirl is saying. Right. I don't know. That that must have been that's like almost like a conceptual art thing that somebody's doing, but it's almost like, like hieroglyphs. It's off the wall, dude. It's so off the wall, you know? And I don't know, like I, I just follow I guess Twitter, I, th I look at it like, dude, it's such a marginal form of really of communication. And uh, so I don't really like get totally invested in it, you know, like having a real hard day, wish things would go my way, man. Why don't people, why aren't people more cool and nice, you know, like I don't do that shit. I'm like on there just like, I fucking fuck celebrities. They're all reptiles and you know, whatever. Like I'm just having fun, you know, it's just like, I don't know, like I can't. I can't get into it. I mean, I'll tell people like, oh, I have a show here and there, you know, because I actually think I'm supposed to do that as an artist, you know, but yeah, well, that's what's so strange about it is that it's not just like, uh, like a, it's, it's like a part of the business being an artist or like us, like musicians and certain like comedians and stuff like it, yeah. it's totally a part of our day to day work 
process. Oh yeah, totally. Like, um, my, my job as an artist, like is not just to create art. That's part of it. But the huge, huge part of it is just like staying in communication with people, reminding them to pay me, like, you know, just like getting out there, like, what's up, yo, this is what's cracking up, you know what I mean? And then also to support other artists that I really like and love, you know, and just because it is a community, which is really important, you totally look out for each other. And it's important, you know, and if you got a weird ass ego, I mean, that shit is is obvious real fast, you know, And, and it's not a really good way to make friends, you know, and. I don't know. It's just I think it's fun. It's it's crazy. But yeah. I do love I do love to watch crazy people with crazy egos trip balls because it's entertaining, but sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, turn your camera on for a sec for a second so I can get a screenshot and then I'll let you go. We turn we got Okay, we turn the camera on or or for, just for a moment. Yeah. Then we can do internet dap too. This there is a good go. screenshot. Yeah, that's perfect. Let me get that one. <laughs> One, two, three. Perfect. All right, brother. Let's dap internet. Internet Boom. dap. Boom. Thank you again. I appreciate it, my friend. No, thanks, dude. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Okay. Have a great day. You too, man. Later. to the left.